on the podcast, we feature a few of our interviews from the Weekend Mornings with Raji Sohal show to highlight for you. We got the latest from the anti-vax protests happening on Parliament Hill. A local entrepreneur took her knowledge from the restaurant industry and injected it into launching a fashion line that caters to servers. Brilliant. And a former paramedic talked to us about mental health challenges faced by those in that industry. Let's listen in. By now, of course, I'm sure you've heard of the anti-vaccine demonstrations, the rally of vehicles that have made their way to the nation's capital. These are This is what's going on in Ottawa right now in Global News. Chief political correspondent David Aiken is there. He joins me on the line from our Parliament Hill Bureau. Hello, David. Hey, Raji. How you doing? Great. So set the scene and tell us what's happened to this point. It's getting a little testier. Um, there, uh, yesterday, we when, when I left the Hill, I was on the Hill all day yesterday, talking to a lot of protesters, taking a lot of video. We had a helicopter that got a, a view of this event because it sprawled over so many blocks around Parliament Hill. Yesterday, when I left or around the dinner hour, I would say uh, 10,000 plus people. It's very difficult to count relative to other protests because this protest is really mobile. Um, there were literally thousands of people doing walking, sort of uh, a four and a half kilometer circuit around Parliament Hill. And if you know Parliament Hill, uh, our Parliament buildings sit on a bluff overlooking the Ottawa River. On the other side is Quebec. And there's two bridges really on, on either side of the parliamentary precinct. And so these protesters were, were walking across those bridges over to Quebec, circling around to the other bridge, coming back and walking all the way along the parliamentary precinct, which consists of, uh, if you know the Shadow Laurier, you've probably seen that. That's probably where it starts. Then there's East Block, Center Block, West Block. That's where the House of Commons is right now, while Center Block is getting rebuilt. Then we have some other parliamentary buildings, Confederation and Justice buildings. Then there's the Supreme Court, the Library and Archives Canada. That forms sort of the, the block along the river. So thousands of these protesters walking around that circuit. It's bitterly cold yesterday, so probably a great way to stay a little warm. It's bitterly cold again this morning. Extreme heat, a cold advisory in place here in Ottawa. And then, of course, there's all the vehicles. Uh, the, there's lots of trucks. There's probably about... Uh, and somewhere between three to five hundred trucks, commercial trucks of varying sizes, in and around the downtown core, and certainly they've all blocked, blockaded along the um, what's called Wellington Street. That's the street that uh, runs right in front of the parliamentary precinct. Um, and so, and and some of those vehicles were sort of roaming around the streets yesterday. Overnight, things got a bit testy. No, no arrests were made, but Ottawa police report some very quote high risk or high risk uh, encounters with protesters who didn't want to move. There lots of drinking um, in Ontario right now. If you want to get service at a hotel or a restaurant, you certainly have to wear a mask, and in many cases, you must present your vaccine passport. Well. You know, this is the group that is protesting those very restrictions. And so the police scanner all night long was going off with uh, uh, staff at some of these establishments who were being physically assaulted, verbally assaulted by upset protesters that couldn't get service. Some protesters, or a few anyhow, unable to buy a meal, actually stole some meals from a homeless shelter. Meals that oh. were to be given to homeless individuals here in Ottawa were stolen by protesters. That's what the oh. Shepherds of Good Hope Homeless Shelter told today. They put it up on their Twitter feed. So that's a bit of a black mark on the protesters. Other black marks? Yesterday on the National War Memorial on Parliament Hill, 
uh, a protester was filmed, filmed by a Royal Canadian Navy Commodore, of all people, filmed dancing on the actual tomb of the unknown soldier. There's actual human remains on that in that tomb, and these protesters were dancing on that tomb, and that brought immediate condemnation from the Chief of the Defense Staff, General Wayne Eyre. Overnight, someone decided to use the tomb, the, the National War Memorial, as a toilet. And we know that because we woke up this morning, it's covered with snow, and there's yellow stains all around the National War Memorial. Now, in the same breath that those bad apples are giving the protest a bad name for doing that, this morning we went down there with our cameras, and we talked to some other protesters who, knowing that is giving a black eye to the group, um, there's now somebody who set a watch around that and the Terry Fox Monument, which was also desecrated yesterday. And uh, and there's there's now some other protesters also trying to clean up, trying to pick up a lot of whiskey bottles, trash that has been left behind. Uh, a local wow. mall had to be shut yesterday because protesters were not obeying public health guidelines. A lot of, you know, altercations between security staff. And both of the liquor stores near Parliament Hill had to shut early again, um, unruly protesters. We're going to see wow. in just about uh, 10 minutes' time a prayer service will get underway here. Um, so maybe the, the pastor can lead people a little more sober common sense uh, for the rest of the day. But they're here, and it uh, looks like they're here to stay for a little while. Wow. And David, what are you seeing in the way of counter-protests? There were, uh, apparently there was, a, a, you know, a handful of counter-protesters here yesterday, um, you know, sort of in favor of vaccines, but really it's, it's absolutely dominated by the, the, uh, the, the protests against public health restrictions. There are a lot, there are some evidence of some, um, fringe groups or conspiracy groups, a lot of paraphernalia for those who know about the QAnon conspiracy. See a lot of their flags here. We saw some evidence that the three percenter group is, is in town. Uh, and, and there's certainly some people who are affiliated, some of the organizers, in fact, affiliated with far right anti-Semitic, uh, white supremacist groups. RCMP and CISA certainly have a list of individuals that they are keeping an eye on, and local police are worried that those groups will start to incite some um, behavior that is not peaceful. Again, so far, mostly very noisy, but mostly peaceful. Last night, Donald Trump gave a rally down in Texas, and he singled out this protest by name. Uh, you know, go Canadian truckers. That has given a lot of heart to some of the protesters here. Uh, Glenn Beck, another sort of far-right media personality in the United States, uh, mentioned the truckers and those, uh, they're not the truckers, I don't want to call them truckers, the protesters, mentioned the protest convoy. And I say that because the Canadian Trucking Alliance, which represents the uh, hundreds of thousands of people who, who are truckers, actually, again yesterday, denounced this protest and said that many of the people that many of the organizers and many of the people you see here have no connection to the trucking industry um, and that the vast majority of truckers themselves are fully vaccinated like the vast majority of Canadians. So anyways, long, long story about not much of a, a counter protest, but some sort of more of the extreme elements of this protest may be encouraged and will take some uh, enthusiasm, if you will, from the likes of Donald Trump and Glenn Beck and other international actors that are taking note and spurring people on here. Okay, David Aiken, I know you have a really busy day ahead, an extremely busy morning. Um, could you just let us know what you expect to happen next before you go? Prayer service at 11 o'clock. Apparently, there's, and that's 11 o'clock my time, so that's a few minutes away here in Ottawa. Um, and then uh, the organizers have said there may be a press conference, but they don't like mainstream media, like Global News. Um, and so, though we have applied for information about this press conference, they haven't acknowledged our requests. Um, and they're really, 
uh, the press they're dealing with are press of uh, far-right websites, essentially. Um, those are the folks that they're uh, most comfortable talking to, uh, not talking to us. So we think there'll be a press conference from the organizers at some point today. And then Maxime Bernier, the leader of the People's Party of Canada, he is here, the only politician that uh, is actually, that this whole rally is very much a People's Party of Canada kind of event. And uh, so right. Bernier is here to capitalize on that. Um, the Prime Minister, I should point out too, the Prime Minister's family, uh, the RCMP have relocated them away from their normal residence at Rideau Cottage out of, out of an abundance of caution. Um, they're in an undisclosed location somewhere in the National Capital Region. Okay, thanks David for the update today and stay safe there. Thanks. Uh, we are talking just shortly to a restaurant server who has been a re- who was a restaurant server for 10 years from the age of 18 onwards. And she had a decade of experience under her belt. And then she realized, you know what? What servers and concierge staff and the restaurant and bar industry need, we need better clothes. We need clothes that suit the work that we're doing. And she did something about it. And she joins me on the line now. Her name is Jacqueline Fraser. Hello, Jacqueline. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for joining us. So first off, you came up with the idea for a fashion line, Black Table Apparel, after seeing there was a gap in the market for servers' needs. So what are those work conditions that someone serving tables until 2 a.m., for example, uh, needs to keep in mind in their clothing? Yeah, so if you've been in the industry or even if you're just entering the industry, you can pretty much expect that you're inevitably surrounded by mess. Dressing on the side, tapping a beer keg, spilling a trailload of drinks all over you is like a constant on shift. Um, and you're going to go through a lot of black clothing. Like I can't even tell you in the seven to eight years that I was serving how many black top pants, skirts, dresses I went through. It's, it's a bit ridiculous. And so um, I set out to um, create black clothing that can last your entire serving career last beyond that um, and be really applicable for your whole life, but have quality clothing that can really withstand um, the amount that you're going to move and um, the amount of mess you're surrounded by, um, by making all of our clothing spill-proof and by making them really high quality with a really high quality fabric that can uh, move with you and can withstand the treatment you're about to put them through. Yeah, this is such a great idea. And I wonder what you had to do before. Like, did you just search around for black clothing at regular clothing stores? Yeah, I mean that's the the sort of thing you started a uh, you started a restaurant or winery or golf club or something, and most of us are responsible for sourcing their own professional black um, workwear. So you know you go to a mall and you browse the outlet stores, most of which are quite outdated for you know the whole afternoon. Oftentimes, can't come back with with finding something that you really like or that's um, appropriate or even dress code appropriate or comfortable or durable enough. So you'd, you'd like to go to a mall or um, an online like fast fashion pump and jump somewhere, Google black dress, and, and you'll find something maybe if it comes in the mail, it, like oftentimes they ordered like online shopping things as most of us who've experienced online shopping and it comes out like, what the heck is this? Um, yeah. So yeah, we've just made like a go-to online place to be able to always get workwear um, so you don't have to browse them all forever or, uh, or find something that's not going to work online. 
Yeah, I've never myself worked in a restaurant, but I have often admired people who do as I watch them <laughs> racing yeah. around in this clothing yeah. that's not made for what they do. And I've and I've thought to myself, okay, look, if I had to do that job, if I had to bus tables, run around like that, I would be wearing running shoes with uh, orthotics <laughs> in them and like um, workout gear is the only way that I could do yeah. it. And I just have marveled at how people do it. So I'm looking at the website right now and gosh, these looks are really, they're, they're really stylish. They're some very classic. All the styles look like to me that they would suit any age and even any body type. So what was your design concept? Yeah, that's really awesome. Thank you for saying that. That was uh, the whole goal. So um it's nice to hear um, feedback from people and people who are wearing it that uh, that they really love that. The whole design concept is basically made to be trend-proof so that these styles um, can, you know, withstand the test of time. So, I mean, we're not constantly buying something in the spring and then come next spring, it's like totally out of style and it just is belongs in the landfill or too embarrassing to wear. So we're, we made styles that are supposed to withstand the test of time and be relevant for a long time so we're not just constantly overloading are landfills with uh, plastic garments. And so um, they all will have a very like classic sleek design. And then, um, yeah, they're all made to, there are certain design features are not supposed to be noticeable when you wear them because they're made to be comfortable. Like along the waistline, we have a side seam ruching that you can, you know, blow to be a body, eat on the fly and still have lots of room wow. for movement. And then, like you said too, they're, they're made to be um, on any body type so that, you can really feel good expressing yourself in your clothing, no matter what shape, size, height you are. All of our garment garments have height, uh, different height variations. So if you're short or you're tall, you can always get a knee length fit. And um, they're made to just really like flatter and express like all body types. So yeah, that's the that's what we had in mind. Okay, but I noticed that there's no menswear here on the website. Yes, so menswear is next. Um, we have a uh, pants and bodysuits coming out next, and then next will be menswear. So. That is the um, the next sort of avenue and adventure for this year. And what's your response been like? It's been good. So we launched our um, store January 1st this month for pre-orders. So all of our garments um, are made available come April. And so we started pre-orders January 1st, and it's been really good. Um, it's going well. Uh, the response has been amazing. People are really excited for it. Um, sales are popping off. And, um, yeah, it's, it's obvious people are excited for our product, which just makes sense because it's, it's something I wish I had for a really long time as well. Yeah, Jacqueline, um, it takes so much to launch a business and so many of us, most of us, I would say, have constant ideas about, oh, I wish this existed, but we don't move on it. What was it that made you move on this idea of yours? <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you there. Um, everything but from my idea being able to be a fully launched business is all attested to the Launch Your Line chorus um, that is ran by a lady named Lisa. She's the dean and founder of the Cut Fashion Academy. So um, if you have an idea or a concept or anything like that, she um, runs a school that can basically totally cater your um, uh, ideation idea and make it into a fully launched business. So she runs that program. It is extremely, um, yeah, just, I would recommend it to anyone. It's the only reason I've really been able to 
take my idea and make it into a fully launched brand. She'll take you through the marketing. She'll take you through uh, all of the formulas you'll need to understand how much you can spend on fabric and cutting and sewing and um, PR and market your, your brand. And so that was how I was able to be like, oh, I have this cool idea that, you know, people really need. And I found her through Google and anyone can find her just to cut fashion academy.com and they, she runs a six-week intensive course that basically teaches you everything you need to know to take your idea to market okay that's cut fashion academy.com you said yes okay well uh, I support this idea it's so cool it's so neat that you moved on it <laughs> and you. I can't believe uh, I never thought about it before <laughs> yeah, thank you thanks thank so you. much for being with us Jacqueline Yes, you're welcome. I just want to make one more correction. It's the Cut Fashion Academy. I left out the important uh. (laughs) And thank you for having me. Great. (gasps) Thanks, Jacqueline. You know that saying, in order to fill anyone else's cup, you first have to fill your own so that you have something to give? Well, what about paramedics? These are the people who not only make it their career to help people in sometimes let's face it, harrowing emergency situations, but they do it one after the other with little time for recovery or reflection on any of the things that they've witnessed. And that's a lot to go through. It's got to be a lot for anyone to endure. Jeff Smith is a former paramedic in BC. He started an awesome not-for-profit organization to connect paramedics with mental health resources. So important. And he joins us on the line now. Good morning, Jeff. Morning, Raji. Uh, thank you so much for mentioning that. And uh, I really appreciate you having me on your show. Yeah, Jeff, what were you seeing as a paramedic that, that led you to believe that they need more mental health services? Well, it, you know, I, I started uh, I started at a time uh, in 2000 when they're, uh, you know, we're only looking back at uh, 20 years. It doesn't seem like that long ago, but uh, there wasn't a lot in terms of mental health support for paramedics. And um you know, I, I think I, I look at myself and as first responders as the societal buffers for shock and trauma that um, that for some for some individuals face on a daily basis. And and uh, you know, and so when I started my career, um, you know, I, I in, in 2009 I had a very challenging call. It involved a two-year-old girl that was fatally struck by a vehicle. And, and, you know, as, as a paramedic, you have to put your emotions aside in order to do the job. You, you know, it, that's the only way that you can that you can function. And I remember driving home after my shift that day and, and trying to think about what happened and, and, you know, when am I going to be able to process what happened? I was driving home to my new family with my, my two-year-old son. And I really struggled and, and, and to the point where I got lost in, in alcohol and I, I started to abuse prescription drugs. Uh, my marriage was falling apart. And, and eventually, uh, you know, thanks to my wife that, uh, you know, of all things, reached out to a marriage counselor who pointed me in the direction of a psychologist. I was eventually diagnosed with PTSD and uh, and then continued to, to struggle to, to find the right help. So, um, it, it took a long time, and, and there's uh, there's some significant challenges that are faced with trying to access help out there. And what are those uh, obstacles for paramedics? Well, I think, you know, with everything, with all the attention that we have towards mental health, I still think that there's some significant stigmas and cultural barriers that exist um, within the organizations. Um, it, 
you know, to, to put your hand up and say, listen, I, I need help. I'm not doing well is, is difficult because you're required to put your emotions aside to do the job. You know, are you, there's probably a fear that there is a fear that's associated with, with doing that, that you may be perceived as weak or unfit to do the job. So, um, and, and that's what I struggled with. Some of the conventional treatment as well for PTSD uh, does involve a lot of exposure therapy. And, and that's where I struggled. I continued to, uh, in PTSD symptoms can be a little bit different for everyone. For me personally, I was struggling with flashbacks, nightmares, uh, to the point where I dreaded going to sleep at night. So this past February, I ended up in a very dark place. I'd uh, been up for, you know, uh, three days without being able to sleep. And, and I woke up that morning and, uh, and I'd had enough. I, uh, in the afternoon, I dropped my son off at, uh, is football practice and and I headed for the Lionsgate Bridge and and over there you know I ended up on the bridge deck and over the railing and and I was there that day to end the suffering I you know I'd been with so many people in those moments uh, you know I'd been on the bridge itself with patients that were struggling and and were contemplating ending their life and I never understood until I was there myself uh, what they were going through so. Uh, fortunately, that evening, my plan was interrupted by the Vancouver police, and I was taken to St. Paul's Hospital to get some help. And, um, you know, after I got out of the hospital, I was introduced to this wonderful human being who's also a registered counselor named Steve King. And uh, and the rest is kind of history. So what we've been able to do in the last 10 months is, uh, has been a, uh, just an amazing part of the healing process. Jeff, I know that there are so many people right now who are listening to this and who are really struck by what you're talking about, not just your own experience um, of PTSD and, and even going all the way to the bridge, but also what you said of having to witness a two-year-old go through something so horrific. There wouldn't be time in a paramedic's uh, day to handle these heavyweight issues. And so how are you connecting people who work as paramedics to the services that they need? Well, we're, the conversation is huge. I think what we're doing right now, just you and I having a conversation about this is, is so important. Um, you know, I, I think of what, you know, the, the, the slogan, let's talk, Bell, let's talk, you know, being able to have these difficult conversations about this and, and break the stigmas that exist is so important. Um, I'm still well connected with first responders. I, I come from a family. My wife's a police officer. My mom is a nurse. My brother-in-law is a firefighter. So, I, uh, you know, I am, I'm involved in paramedic education as well too. So, which I think is so important. But um, we're trying to get the word out there about what we're doing. We started a nonprofit organization called the Detachment Technique, and that offers some uh, support for PTSD. Um, we've also got some. Other wellness resources, which I think are great um, to uh, attack the complexities of the dis- this disorder. So, um, you know, the biggest thing that I can tell people is that, you know, I was when I started, I felt like I, I had to be strong and, and, and you know, I, it, it was very difficult to reach out for help. I urge people to, to, you know, if you're suffering, please reach out to us or reach out to a loved one. Reach out to your supports. Uh, you're not alone. Um and, you know, our nonprofit organization is here to help you. So uh, anything that I can do, and that, that's been such a, a part of my healing process, is I want to give back and, and make sure that no one else has to go through a similar situation as myself. 
you are, people are hearing this right now. They're hearing that you are a former paramedic. They're hearing that you have been extremely brave in your life, helping people get through such difficult situations. You've witnessed so much and you're sharing your story. And so I know indeed you are helping people um, and yeah. people can find out more information also about uh, it's a detachment technique online. Is that right? Yeah, you bet. We're so online. There are uh, our websites. It's www.detachmenttechnique.com. And you can reach me by email at jeff at detachmenttechnique.com. I'm happy to answer your questions or uh, help you out any way I can. And I mean that. Before we go, Jeff, uh, you mentioned something that I'd, I'd like you to elaborate on if you can. You said, you said really quickly there that people need to know that they're not alone. What do you mean by that? Well, this disease is so isolating. Um, there's a lot of shame associated with the, some of the negative symptoms that are that this uh, that are so common with PTSD. Uh, I felt so alone in that situation. I did. I didn't know how to connect with people anymore. I lost uh, I lost friends, uh, loved ones pulled away. I just want people to know that you know there's somebody else that has gone through a similar situation as them. And if even even if there's the slightest glimpse of hope out there i want you to hang on to that and and know that um there's people out there that are thinking about you and and uh and want to help you and and uh yeah i think it's hope is so important to hang on to even if even if there's not a lot of it it uh, yeah it's just hang in there yeah please yeah hang in there and, yeah, and hope yeah, is yeah, so important yeah. Hope is so important. And if you don't find it in the first source or the second source that you're looking, don't give up, go somewhere else. You'll find it. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I personally lost uh, friends and coworkers to suicide and I, I were hoping to put an end to that. I, uh, yeah. Jeff Smith, I can't thank you enough for being on our show today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this and, and your commitment to, uh, to bringing some awareness to this cause. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Weekend Mornings with Raji Sohal podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to the show live on 980 CKNW from 6 to 9 a.m. every Sunday. Have a great week.